We're in, uh, where are we? We're in Luke. We're in the Gospel of Luke, and we're talking about uh, Jesus, um, about who Jesus is and, and what he's done, and, and so we're going to continue. There's a, there's a phrase that, that we use uh, that gets thrown around these days, and it's the phrase, information is king, or knowledge is king. We live in an age where information, not money, not gold, but information is the highest value. Knowledge is the highest value. Not un- uh, understanding is the highest currency. That's the, that's the life we live. I, I, I did some research, and even until the 18th century, which was the 1700s, it wasn't like that. You know, one, we didn't have the internet back then, obviously. Um, but, you know, everyone just lived in their little towns, you know. So you, you didn't know what was happening in the next town. If you wanted to know, you had to send a horseman, and they had to ride like six hours and be like, yo, so what are you guys eating for dinner? You know, like, there, there was none of that, right? But now we just click a button and you see, oh, man, this person's at this restaurant and this person's at this bar and, and this person's, you know, maybe drank a little bit too much and I don't know why they're posting on social media, you know? Like, we live in that age, but it wasn't like that. And, and in the 18th century, what happened was uh, th- there, was this, there was this age, and they call it the, the age of enlightenment, this idea that reason and logic and information suddenly became more important than experience and even things like the supernatural or the superstitious. We have a great desire to know. We want to know. And and we, in our generation, we are impatient. And we, we, we not only want to know, we want to know now. Right? We live in the Google day. You know, back in the day... You know, I'm a very confident person, and, and I could say things with complete confidence, and in my mind, I'm like, I do not know if that is correct. But because I am so confident, everyone's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But now, my wife, straight away on Google, you know, just straight away fact checks it. And most of the time, I'm wrong, Right? We desire to know more and we desire to understand things. But here's the irony. We actually don't know much. And our understanding of the world is actually very limited. Uh, My son, my second son, has got his selective test this week. We have no, um, there's no pressure, Ben. (laughs) I, uh, I got Ben to do some practice tests, and uh, <sighs> Taramah High School is a great school, Ben. It's okay. You can just go there. You know, like, but then I, I looked at some of the questions, and I was like, oh, I don't think I could get into selective now. You know, like, we, we actually, our, our knowledge and, and, and what we know and understand of the world is actually very limited. But it's funny, it's this irony that we live in because we desire to know more. We desire, our deep desires, we want to understand. But actually, we, we can't. You know, one of the examples is that, you know, none of us have a problem turning on the tap, 
in the kitchen and, and just, you know, getting a glass of water and just drinking it. We have no problem with drinking. Well, some of us, most of us have no problem, right? But not many of us know where that water comes from, right? Not many of us know that, you know, that water comes from the sky or comes from the ocean and goes through, you know, desalination or it goes through, you know, it goes through treatment and whatnot, goes through pipes. And, and, and no one really knows that, right? And yet, we've got no problem drinking it. This is where the irony of our life comes in is as much as we desire information and understanding, we actually don't really live by that. We don't. Reality is this. There are many things in our lives that we will not and cannot understand. Right? For example, for some people, they will never understand philosophy. I remember in uni, I thought this is going to be a cinch class and I signed up to Philosophy 101, lasted two hours, right? That class lasted two hours. I lasted 10 minutes. My brain was gone. They started talking about, I just didn't make sense and then I dropped that class, right? Some people, they don't understand running. I, I, we have some avid people that run. I just don't get it. And people who run marathons, Why? Right? Why? People who like climbing mountains. If you climb it, you have to come back. Why? You know, like, why? like people just don't understand certain things, right? Five kids. Why? You know, like, like, why? Why would you have five kids? I don't understand. Right? There are things that we just don't understand in this life. And there are things that we just can't comprehend. And, and someone can stand here and go, well, you know, this is why running is awesome and this is why climbing mountains is awesome and whatnot. And, and, and for some of us, because of the way that our brains work, we will never understand. I actually wrote one that, that, that I don't understand and it's been controversial and I was like, ah, oh, should I say it or not? Should I say it or not? You know, and I won't say it, but it's women. I just don't understand. And all the men said, amen. All the married men said, amen, anyway. <laughs> oh, leaving me out in the cold. <laughs> Thrown under a bus today. Jeez. I guess there's only one honest person in our church. Okay. One of the areas that's very difficult for us to understand is the spiritual. And some of you are like, eh, what does he mean, right? Or let me say it like this. One of the areas that is really difficult for us to understand and comprehend is the supernatural. Now, the word supernatural is something that, and let's define it, attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature, right? Supernatural, beyond nature. Right? Now, let's just start with that premise, and I'll start to unpack it. We're going to look through Luke 8, and we're going to read two stories that contain supernatural themes. Uh, in one sense, this is an M-rated sermon contains supernatural themes. Right? You don't get that joke? Okay, that's okay. But one of the things that when we start talking about the supernatural, people start thinking about like the X-Files, people start thinking about the Illuminati, people start thinking about ghosts and whatnot, right? But... Funny enough, we have been in the supernatural in the Gospel of Luke right from the beginning. Think about it. 
a virgin gave birth. Where's the science and logic in that? Right? Uh, a choir of angels is seen in the sky. Right? Last week we talked about Jesus bringing a young boy back from death to life. These are all supernatural. They just don't have the spooky music behind them. Right? We're already in the supernatural. So as much as some of us are like, ah, supernatural, supernatural, that's weird. No, no, we're there. Actually, a lot of the stuff you already think about is already there. These events that we cannot use science or reason to explain them. Now, let's go to Luke 8. Two stories we're going to read today. Luke 8, 22 to 25. One day Jesus says to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake. A squall is like a storm. So that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Pause. People have heard this story. People have read this story. But I just want you to take a moment to think about what that story actually says. So you're saying, right, and I put this photo up, right? I love this photo. So you're telling me, right? So you're telling me, that Jesus looked up at the storm and said, stop, and then the storm stopped, and that face, right? That's exactly the face, right? Take a moment to consider this. Take a moment to consider what this actually is saying. Last week, we talked about the authority and the power of Jesus over death, over illness, and we see that authority once again over what? Over nature. This rain, Jesus can literally be like sun, snow, lightning, calm. He has the authority to do that, right? It is supernatural. Do we, can you explain that? Can you explain suddenly why it just, we can't, right? Now, that's the easiest story. Let's get to the second story, verse 26. They sailed to the region of Gesseris, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he, met, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn any clothes or lived in a house, but he had lived in the tombs. So, pause. They get off the boat. All right, Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the lake. They go through the lake. They go through a storm. Jesus rebukes the storm. Keep going. They get to the other side of the lake. Who's on the other side of the lake? Okay? A naked, demon-possessed man. Let me just think, let, 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 let's just sink that in, right? A naked, demon-possessed man. It's not like you ever, like, it's not like this week you met a demon-possessed man, right? It's not something that you see every day. But once again, we read the Bible and go, oh, yeah, demon-possessed man. Just another demon-possessed man, Right? We live, we exist in the realm of the supernatural. Now, let's just define it. What's a demon? 
dictionary tells us that a demon is an evil spirit. It's not the devil, right? Devil, Satan, but the demon, and some people have said demons are like the little minions of the devil, right? So what is a, a, a demon-possessed man? A, a man that is possessed by an evil spirit, okay? A man that is, you know, we'll just leave it there. We'll keep going. Verse 28, 29. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. But Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was changed hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Now we learn more about the demon-possessed man. We know that the demon had seized the man. Right Now, you've got to understand, there's two entities in play. There's the man and there's the demon. Okay, They're not one entity. The demon is controlling the man. And the demon has seized and taken over his body. And so when even the people of the town came to try to control the man who was possessed, right? they couldn't chain him. Right? We just assume that the demon gave the man super, spirit, uh, super strength. Right, and so not only was this was this demon possessed man um, uncontrollable, he was he couldn't live with people, and so went out and lived in isolations in the graveyard. Verse thirty to thirty-one. Jesus asked him, "What is your name?" Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Legion was the name of the demon. Now, was it one demon? No, it was multiple demons. A legion is about 6,000, right? Number, of, number is a legion is, is about 6,000. So what we know about this, this man was not possessed by one demon, but was possessed by multiple demons, right? Now, remember when uh, we, we just read that story about Jesus having authority over nature, what we're actually going to find is Jesus also, his authority goes beyond nature and actually goes into the spiritual realm and even over demons, right? Verse 29, for Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Verse 31, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. So even these demons, they are underneath the authority of Jesus, Right? And that's going to be important. Verse 32, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Right? Now, as if it wasn't weird enough to read about a demon-possessed man, that, and suddenly we see Jesus give permission to the demons to get out of the man into a herd of pigs, and then the pigs jump into the water and drown. I understand. Some of you are like, you know, I've never heard this story before. This is weird. And I'm telling you, yeah, that's right. It is weird. It is unusual. It is out of the ordinary. But just take it for what it is, Right? Just take it for what it is, okay? Verse 34. When those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. 
When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went out and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Now, just like you and I, we read this story and we're scratching our heads going, how do we understand this? Can you imagine you're in the town, right? You come out and you see two things, right? You see the crazy demon-possessed man who used to be naked, that used to live in the tombs, fully clothed, right? Sitting at the feet of Jesus and now he's back to normal. Now, that would be weird. And then secondly, you look in the water and there's all these pigs, just bobbing up and down in the water. That's also weird too, right? So you would think, right? You would think that they see this demon-possessed man cured, right? You see this demon-possessed man sitting normally with clothes, sitting at the feet of Jesus, acting like a normal person, and you would think the people of the town would be like, wow, what a miracle. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But they go the other way. They are overcome with fear to the point where they actually ask Jesus to leave. They ask him to leave. Why did they fear? Why were they overcome with fear? It's because they couldn't understand. They couldn't make sense of what they had seen, what was in front of them. And so they chose to fear. Even though even though Jesus did a great thing, cured the man. Fear sets in, and the people of the town ask Jesus to leave. Now, not the cured man. The cured man's like, yo, Jesus, let me hang out with you. But Jesus says, go home, tell everyone how much God has done for you. See, for the man, for the man, right, he probably didn't understand what happened. But his response is different. His response was not of fear, but was of faith. Well, he didn't actually need to understand exactly what happened. But he saw what was in front of him. And he chose to believe in Jesus. We'll get back to that. Crazy stories, right? I bet you this morning when you woke up, you were like, Steve's not going to preach normal today. Well, that's the way it is. Here we go. Four things about the stories of Jesus today. Number one, Jesus' authority has no bounds. If you haven't understood this yet already, uh, Jesus' authority and power literally has no bounds. Last week, his power and authority was seen over illness and of death. Today, we see that his authority is over nature and demons. We need to understand this. We, 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 cannot, we cannot undermine this authority of Jesus. His power and authority has no comparison in this world. There is no one that comes even close to his power and authority. Literally, there is nothing in this world that comes even close 
to the power and authority of Jesus. Number two, people will respond differently to the power of Jesus. The disciples see the storm disappear and they respond in fear and amazement. The town people respond in fear. The demon-possessed man responds in worship and faith. When people see Jesus, and, and, and this is something that you just need to know. When people get introduced to Jesus, when people understand more about Jesus, when people meet Jesus, not everyone is like, wow, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Wow, hallelujah, he's the Lord and Savior of my life. It's not like that. Some people respond in fear. Some people will reject him. Some people won't believe him. And that's reality. That's reality. You know, sometimes we get frustrated, right? Because some of us were like, man, I love Jesus. Let me tell my best friend about Jesus. And then you tell your best friend about Jesus, and your best friend's like, mm, nah, mm. And so sometimes we take that personally. But the reality is, this is the reality. The reality is that not everyone will receive Jesus the way other people receive him. There's always going to be a varied response. So don't get frustrated. That's the reality. Third, understanding is not the highest value. Knowledge is not the highest value. Faith is. After Jesus calmed the storm, he turns to his disciples and says, where is your faith? Not, did you understand what happened? Did you see that? Did you see me do something with my hands magically? Did you, did you, do you understand that? No, he says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? What do you believe in? Faith in what? Right? And there's this verse right at the beginning, and it says, uh, right at the beginning, where are we? One day Jesus said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. That's it. Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the lake. What's the faith? The faith is to believe that what Jesus said that he'll do. Jesus says, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. doesn't matter if there's a storm in the middle. We're going to get there. The faith is to believe that Jesus would do what Jesus said he was going to do. Friends, the pursuit of knowledge and understanding is not a bad pursuit. Wanting to know more, wanting to understand more, it's, it's not a bad thing. But, it's not, but you've got to understand, it has its limits. Number one limitation of understanding is you. It's you. You and I, we are finite creatures. Our, 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 the, our capacity to understand, our capacity to know things is limited. You have to accept that. And so for you to say, I need to know who Jesus is, and the only way I can know is by understanding who Jesus is, and when I can understand who he is, and when I can completely know everything about Jesus, then I will believe Jesus. I'm telling you, it is a very difficult way to enter the kingdom. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very difficult because our understanding is limited. What Jesus calls for is not understanding, but his faith, to believe that he's good, to believe that he's going to do what he said, to believe that he's the good shepherd that loves his sheep, to believe that he has the power and authority over all things, Friends, when we live based on our own knowledge and understanding, it is nearly impossible to find God. Why? Because God is beyond your understanding 
and knowledge. But if we live our faith, live our lives based on faith, that we have God, then the reality of God will translate into your life and you will see it. Finally, helplessness into order. Jesus is about order. Why? Because his Father, God, is about order. Jesus turns the storm into calm. Jesus cures the demon-possessed man into what? Normality. Jesus turns helpless situations back into order. He's done it all his life, and he's done it for us too. Jesus takes our sin, our helplessness, and through his death on the cross, because that's what he did for us, he turns our lives back into order where it was meant to be, in perfect union with God. This is what we call the Jesus effect. He takes chaos and brings order. Friends, there are many times in our lives that you you will not be able to understand or have the knowledge to explain something. But just because you don't understand and just because you, you can't explain it to someone does not mean that it's not real. See, for so many of us, if we can't understand it, it must not be real. That's ridiculous. If I, if I can't explain it, if I don't have that knowledge, then that doesn't exist. It, it must not be real. That, that's so narrow. It's so narrow thinking. And it's actually so arrogant. Because it's like, well, if I don't understand it, then no one else must understand it and it must not be real. That's Mate, you don't even understand where McDonald's burgers come from, right? There's so many things that we don't understand in our life, and yet we live our lives. Out of the 100 people here, there's probably about two people here that actually understand how these walls are actually standing up. And yet, everyone's sitting here. See, this is the limitation of knowledge. But just because it's, Your limitation doesn't mean it's not real. But what happens when we come to that place where we don't understand? What happens when we come to that place where we find our limits? Two things can happen. You can turn to fear because you don't understand it. And you can turn away and say, well, I don't understand it. It's not real. Or you can turn to faith. Faith that acknowledges your limitation but puts a trust in a higher authority or being, that being Jesus. Friends, we don't need to fear when we find ourselves in the supernatural. We we don't need to fear when we find ourselves in positions where we can't explain or understand why things happen. I can tell you story on story, and there's plenty of people here that can tell you, share stories with you around the supernatural, right? I can share the story. I don't understand where it came from. I don't understand what happened. But it's as real as it gets to me because I turn not to fear but to faith. And I trust God. That even if I don't understand it, or if I'm struggling to 
to, you know, find knowledge in that. I trust that God knows what He's doing. Our faith in Him causes us to find rest and comfort in these times. Not because of us, but because of Him. I'm telling you now, as you live your life, you will find yourself in situations where you will not be able to explain or understand what God is doing. But when that happens, or maybe you're in that situation right now, don't don't choose fear. Don't be afraid of what's going on, but choose faith. And believe that God, who knows everything, who is in control of everything, know that He is a good God and put your faith in Him and trust Him with your life. Let's pray.